Hi, I'm E.K. Johnston, author of Star Wars Ahsoka, Queen's Shadow, and Queen's Peril, and you're listening to the Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. We will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. A Utini Podcast Network production. Thank you, Ambassador. But my place is with my people. Episode 161, Queen's Hope Roundtable, Part 1. We are brave, Your Highness. On this episode, new details about Utini at Star Wars Celebration. You Jedi are far too reckless. And the Utini crew talks about Star Wars Queen's Hope by E.K. Johnston. Now you listen. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, Wes Jenkins, and guest host Emma Park. Utini! Hello, everyone! Welcome to the Living Force Utini Network podcast that is tonight all about the awesome, the royal, the phenomenal Padme Amidala. I am one of your hosts, Eric Hay, and joining me tonight to talk about all things Queen's Hope is the full cast of characters, plus a little bonus. First of all, we have... My other favorite handmaiden, Corey. Hey, dude. <laughs> Unmute yourself, Corey. I want to hear you. I didn't think it was muted. Look at that. That was a uh, quite the stretch of an introduction there. I am uh, have a bit of a surprise here. My wife just walked into the room right before we started the show, literally as Wes was uh, punching it, basically, and handed me an envelope from Reed Pop, who is the... Uh, host of Star Wars Celebration, and I, I'm going to get the sticker off of it, I just got my media badge. Look yeah! at that. Look at that. Hey. It looks really clean. You can see it. It's pretty clean. Espen. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Right. So there's That's been a lot pretty, of... Uh, been a lot of complaints about the artwork online and everything, and I gotta say the artwork itself is actually a little cleaner than everybody kind of made it out to be. I will say, not a huge fan. Everyone, of Everyone, uh... aka Corey, in every Slack channel this week. <laughs> what? No, just the you one Slack channel. <laughs> That's true. It's only one, but that is beautiful. I like that a lot. Congrats to you, man. I'm very excited Thanks, to man. see it. I these badges are gonna be amazing. Unfortunately, none of them will be going to our good friend Charles A. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, can I be Charlay? Because I feel like yeah, Charlay. That sounds that sounds a little better. I'm I'm good, and I'm good right now because I'm watching my Miami Heat uh, beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Now I know all the 76ers fans out there saying, but Charlay or Charles, uh, they don't have Joel Embiid. He has an orbital fracture. I don't care. I don't care. Heat in five. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Thank you. I like it a lot, and as they are a team from Philadelphia, I agree. Um, sorry to, I don't know, 10% of our audience, 3%, I don't know. Uh, but not watching the heat is our other lovely, radiant, dare I say, indispensable co-host, Wesley. Oh, that was an easy one for you. Yeah, it was. Um, what's up, everybody? I actually finished another Star Wars book this week. Um, actually, like 30 minutes ago, I finished, uh, uh, what was it? Fatal Alliance? Wow. Oh yeah, is that what it is? Wow, that oh, was yeah. Huge. You, you, you told that you, last week. You told us, yeah, yeah you told us you I were did. Read that one. I started Dude. it last Tuesday and I hammered through it. So how are you blowing through um, these so fast? Are you listening to your audiobook, man? Audiobook, audiobook yeah. yeah. Commute, my commute sucks so much that I have to. I listen to it. So um, nice. for all you people who have long commutes, audiobooks are the key. Um, but uh, I am on. Hopefully, going to finish number four uh, next week, and uh, none of them have anything to do with each other. That's book awesome. four, book three doesn't matter. You can just sw switch them up. You can do two, three, one, four, whatever you want to do. 
but they're great. They're they're great books. Very. Uh, this last one was more legendy than it was um, any of the other three, and I really appreciated that. <laughs> I love that, man. If you were on Legends Look Back doing their race to the finish competition right now, you'd be like right behind Emily, but slaying pretty hard. <laughs> Well, you know, that's 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 hard company to come by. It absolutely is. Well, good for you, man. And of course, as I said we have a special guest, and we do. It is our final handmaiden in the evening to talk about the Queen's trilogy. It's M.A. Oh, M.A. Hello, everybody. Um, this show should be really interesting because if you guys remember, last time I was on, it was complete chaos. Uh, the Higher Public Draft. <laughs> so- oh, my God, yes. <laughs> the thirstiest episode we've ever had. I forget. Yeah. So, yeah the- if that was any indication, it should be fun. <laughs> Yeah, first first episode you came off. Not the best look for four white guys hosting a Star Wars podcast. We have a woman on and get really filthy. So you know, let's hope we uh, <laughs> let's hope this does not spin off out of control. Nah, you guys. But it oh. might. It, it might. And y'all, y'all here in the chat and listening later are here to witness it. Hello, we love you. We're hoping you're having a great week. Uh, of course, as always, if you haven't already, go ahead, like the video, subscribe, rate, blah blah blah. Make sure people find our show and all that good stuff. A couple small things before we get into the round table so we don't make Charles stay up until midnight. I wanted to share a piece of very fun and very impulsive news. Um, I decided to pull money out of my savings account and buy a photo op with Ewan McGregor for celebration. So I'm going to meet Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. I did it. I did it. I, I, I was like talking to Charlie and I was like, all right. Who are we going to meet? Because we wanted to maybe do the Clone Wars one with Ashley Eckstein and Matt Lanter oh, and Dee yes. Bradley Baker. Who do we want? And then they announced Ewan's coming. And I didn't even think that was going to be that big of a deal to me. And then it went on sale. And then I just bought it. I was like, I it wasn't me. Like, it, my, my, my soul was led to do it. You had to do Before it after Before you could Hayden, even right? think. Yes. And what, are, I am, what are savings for? If not opportunities this, just like This that. moment. Right? <laughs> opportunities. Charles like has that. been promoted to personal financial advisor. I appreciate you and your support. <laughs> um, I'm assuming those are all sold out now, right? Yeah, they sold out the day of. So I was Here, like, you could sell it, right, Corey? Hell yeah! Flip <laughs> <laughs> anything. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> uh, but if you're going to be in line on Saturday of celebration in the 3 p.m. slot, come say hi to me as we all cry to meet you. And also, a hearty congratulations to you and McGregor. I know you're a fan of the show. Love your work. Um, congratulations <laughs> on your marriage. He got married to Mary Elizabeth Winstead last weekend, um, in a quiet secret ceremony. So he's a married man. Charles, how are you holding up? Uh, I didn't get invited and I was a little bit hurt by that, but it probably has something to do with the fact that he has no idea who I am and I'll never meet him. Um, but no, it I mean, I'm happy. Be. I'm happy for him. You know, good things and bad things tend to happen together and there's a very, good thing happening for him right now at the obi-wan tv show so why not tack on something as wonderful as marriage yeah i love Mary, that you are a very lucky woman yes beautiful beautiful stuff um i don't know if they want to have children it's up to them but if they do what a genetic bond mm-hmm. two really hot people getting married we always love to see it uh other than that last couple things this week today is may 2nd monday may 2nd a lovely day which means of course wednesday is may the 4th one of the premier holidays in the Star Wars fandom usually means a lot of sales go on. There's already been some Lego that went on sale. There's usually some a, a lot of stuff that I spend money on that I don't care to uh, comes on sale on Wednesday. But I wanted to say we are going to have like a, a pseudo May 4th event type thing. Uh, Emma, your show 
on Wednesday, the Cosmic Force. Everyone should watch and love all the time. But uh, there's going to be a little some extra after on Wednesday. Tell the folks what's going on. That's right. Yeah, we're going to have uh, – remember, remember the old days of the Aftermath after show? It's going to be kind of like that. We're going to have a, uh, a little Discord hangout. Oh, do hangout. we? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, the good old days. <laughs> uh, we're going to have uh, a little voice chat after the Cosmic Force, um, and we're going to have two special guests on the Cosmic Force, <gasps> uh, which is really exciting. One person – in this stream right now, making <gasps> their debut appearance on the show, which could be any three of you because Eric's the only one that's been on. So take your guess. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about uh, some of the new comics that are coming out on Wednesday, which is actually a huge slate. There's something uh, – There's last time I checked, there was like six issues coming out, but there's been a lot of delays, so it might be different. But most notably, the uh, Obi-Wan comic is uh, mm -hmm. starting up that day. So that's really exciting. And um, we're going to be talking about any news that happens on May the 4th. Um, it's hard to tell if we'll get any big news just because, you know, the celebration is so soon, but we will talk about it if it happens. And, uh, yeah, just talk about what we're looking forward to in the next year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And definitely join us in Discord after the show. Love that. Cannot wait. And also, that Obi-Wan comic is drawn by your now close personal friend, Orion and Dito. Yes. Who, if y'all didn't see, the Cosmic Force interviewed on the show on Wednesday. And, and legit, it was, it, was, it was phenomenal. He, he was amazing. He's a perfect He's such a great man, guy. I think. Such a great it's guy. It's easy to say. Yeah. I mean, he, you can tell he loves Star Wars so much. He cares for these characters as deeply or maybe more so than we do. And... Just the emotion that he showed and the honesty and his story also is so amazing how he got to, to be where he is today. So I'm just so excited he's working on more Star Wars and uh, I hope it never stops for him because I, I can't think of a more deserving guy, to be honest. So it was an honor Absolutely. to talk to him. Well, it was an honor to watch it. And if you haven't seen that interview or listened to it, it's on the Cosmic Force podcast feed or on this very YouTube channel if you're watching now. Additionally, speaking of our sister shows, we want to do a quick congratulations to our friend Emily Daybeck, who made her triumphant return to Legends Look Back this past week uh, after yes. having a baby who is healthy, who is home. Everyone's doing well. Um, so we're so, so I thankful. I would like to see the baby. Yes. <laughs> incredible drop. Absolutely incredible. Uh, the baby was not shown, unfortunately. But Emily did return to Legends Look Back. Love to see you. Glad everyone's good. And if you want to see more of the Cosmic Force and more Legends Look Back and have it combined with our show, you got to get ready for Kenobi Week, which is coming up on May 16th, kicking off with the Living Force doing a Kenobi character spotlight. Wednesday on the Cosmic Force, they'll be talking about the Obi-Wan comic. Thursday on Legends Look Back, it's the book Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. Friday night, we're going to do a game night type thing, possibly if we can get Star Wars Obi-Wan to work for the original Xbox. If not, there'll be Obi-Wan-centric <laughs> gaming. And Saturday in the Star Wars archives, they'll be doing the Ben years, talking about Kenobi in uh, some deep dive ways that's over Trev and Jose can do. Get ready. Get excited for that and more in Kenobi Week, May 16th. A quick thank you to our Patreon community. We want to say thank you to Tanner Robinson, who became a weekly patron. No, a monthly pa A weekly patron, my goodness. A monthly patron. <laughs> that, that, that's fickle on a level I can't quite do. But a monthly patron, we love him. I became a patron 
this past week. Tanner, thanks so much. We hope that everyone is enjoying all the extra content you've gotten, all the commentaries, all the extra shows we got. And, of course, if you want to join that, you can go to utini.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash utini. Jump on there before celebration. Help us make sure that we have everything we need to make those events really fun, including our party, including our panel, including our pins and stickers, all that good stuff. Which, you know what? Let's talk about in the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. Y'all, we got a panel time. Corey, tell the folks officially when they can come see us talk about Star Wars in, at, in Anaheim. In Anaheim, California. Biggest thing that's ever happened to me personally in my entire life. This is so insane. We are hosting a panel at Star Wars Celebration uh, on the fan stage on Saturday, May 28th at 10.30 a.m. It will be one of the first uh, panels of the day. Uh, on Saturday, which is crazy. Uh, I don't know if this is during one of the main uh, main It's during panels. Mandalorian. Overlaps. Yeah. It's during okay. Mandalorian, Mandalorian at 11. Yes, so everyone that does not get in the lottery for Mandalor- Mandalorian, if you do not get in that show, i got another really good panel you can come check out. So come check us out, 10.30 right. a.m. Saturday at the fan stage. We're going we're gonna to record it and film it and everything and... Hopefully it'll be a decent production quality. You know, you never know what kind of equipment you're going to end up with at these types of events. I mean, they've said that they have the tools in place so we can record it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that works. We are going to try to record it, though, and capture some decent quality audio and that sort of thing. So um, hopefully we'll have something to share uh, for the folks at home so you can watch the panel. Probably not live because the Internet is awful inside of all conventions, but we'll probably be able to upload it later. So don't worry if you're not going to celebration. We will have something for you. Absolutely. And if you go to our panel, I will probably be way too addicted and to be on Twitter during the time. So if they announce anything in Mandalorian, I'll just tell you what happens. Um, additionally, if you're at Celebration, we have swag for you. We have been we have been designing, and by we, I mean not myself. I mean, Corey made a lot of this stuff. Uh, we are going to have stuff for you to get for free. We are going to have these beautiful lapel pins that we're showing on here right now. Y'all, these are some of my favorite things that I have that we've ever put out. I am a sucker uh, for pins. Look at these. I know. We've wanted to do this for years, and we're finally in a financial place in which we could do this. And, guys, we bought 1,000 of these. So we spent a (laughs) pretty penny on pins. And this is way bigger of a box than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You can find us, obviously, at our booth. We'll have those. We'll have these stickers, these cutout stickers you can get. Um, Yep. You can come by our booth. Um, sign up for mailing us, sign up for stuff, chat with us. Also, if you see us on the show floor throughout the weekend, I'm sure we'll all be kind of like putting a bunch in our bag at the start of each day. Yeah, for Come sure. say hi to the floor. <laughs> say hi, grab a photo, grab a sticker, grab a pin. Like, uh, we, we have so we, many we, guys. We, it's outrageous. We don't want to take have them gone, <laughs> We may have gone a bit overboard. We have a thousand, we have a thousand pins, I think 10,000 stickers, and I think 12,000 bookmarks. I mean, it's pretty... It's pretty outrageous. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to say that I like told Corey we should get twelve thousand, but I kind of did, and that might have yes. been my fault. <laughs> Listen, it, these are numbers that it's very hard to visualize quantities in. And, it is. Uh, <laughs> I I will say like three thousand like doesn't really seem like that many. Like when you're when you're yeah. looking at the numbers and like the list, because it goes from like you know zero all the way up to like fifty thousand. You can yeah. buy huge mm-hmm. numbers and stuff. But when I got the boxes for the bookmarks, I was like. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> I may have, have girl bossed too hard. We um, have girl bossed way too hard. It was three <laughs> enormous boxes. Like I spent, I think, 
$250 in shipping, everything to Freddy yesterday, last week. Oh, my week. God. <laughs> but it's going wow. there. It was $260. Two 50-pound uh, boxes plus one more box. That's got our banner. I'm telling you guys, we are gonna, we're going all out at Utini this year. We could not do this without our Patreon community. Holy smokes, they've really gotten us sure. here in the past yep. year. and We've been putting away money for, for years to make it to Celebration. And uh, we have, uh, in the words of... Uh, Oh, man, what's his name from Jurassic Park? We have spared no expense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we do, though. We want to pass that expense on to you in love and in, in, in experience. So come to the panel, come to the booth, grab the stuff, grab it for free. And if you're done with your teeny stuff, you can go to a bunch of other panels because they did announce on StarWars.com this week, a little early, and then officially, uh, all the panels <laughs> that are coming to celebration each day on the big stages. There are so, so many incredible panels that are announced, including the Attack of the Clones anniversary, of course. Um, the music of Attack of the Clones. Ian McDermott has a panel. And if you are a fan of this show, as I hope you are, there are some literature panels like The High Republic for Light and Life, which is on Thursday at 3 p.m. at the Galaxy Stage. There's the Lucasfilm Publishing Behind the Page on Friday at 12.30 p.m. on the Twin Sun Stage. And there, there's just... There's so many great things that you you might have to lottery. Some of you might be able to walk into. But the true abundance of panels is just so wild. Not even including all the podcasts and everything like that. Uh, guys, Emma, fellow handmaidens, I want to ask, are there any specific panels? We'll do a whole show about this later on. Uh, that you're really, really either hoping to see or just excited that exists that you can't wait to find out about. <laughs> just scrolling through here. There is a behind the audiobook. We're always harping on how great the audiobooks yeah. are and the audio dramas are. They they show you how they make them, how they put mm-hmm. the like the the background sounds in and how they put the music in and all the themes. So that'd be really interesting to see. That's on uh, Friday at six thirty p.m. So if you're winding your day down, that's on the Twin Sun stage at six thirty to seven thirty. I love Anybody that. Else? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I, I was just gonna say that the uh, the literature and books in general have uh, a ton of representation at celebration yeah. this year, way more than they had in Chicago. Like, you know, I yep. went as an unofficial, just as a fan in Chicago. I mean, Utini was a thing then, but like we didn't go to cover it or anything like that. And uh, I mean, there was like a Tim Zahn panel and like an upcoming, you know, publishing panel and maybe one other panel. It wasn't that many. Like it, it was like super mm-hmm. under underrepresented. So. This year does not seem to be the case. But there's like what five or six panels that are all about yeah. just book related stuff, and we'll be covering all that stuff. So make sure that uh, we have somebody at at everyone that we can get to. So. Oh yeah, I mean High Republic, we gotta get be getting Phase Two covers and comic stuff, and they'll yeah. they'll treat us well. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Emma, what about you? Yeah, I mean. I'm going to exclude our panel for obvious reasons and any of the big panels. I feel like those are easy picking. Same thing with book panels. Um, But I wanted to highlight a fan panel that actually really interests me. Uh, It's called How Rey Defined a New Star Wars Generation. And it has Mm -hmm. a lot of familiar faces up there. Laura Kelly, Molly Damon, Lacey Gillerin, Maggie Lovett, and Arzu Amin. That sounds really, really awesome. So... I love that. Uh, there's also a panel that's going to be about Marvel Comics, which you know I'm super interested in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and obviously some, you know, there's like a Hasbro one, and anything that I can like throw my money at is a sure bet. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I love that idea, and obviously all the big ones are great. We're going to be getting that big panel that has the stuff about Andor, Obi Wan, Mandalorian stuff. Last question, Charles, you're going to be streaming them from home, helping our friends on the ground. 
Which one can't you see? Uh, let's go to like the big ones because that's probably what they're going to be putting on YouTube most of all. I don't, I, I don't kill me, guys, because I know it's at the same time. But I'm excited for Mandel. <laughs> I really am. I mean, I, I can watch. probably not be streamed How? instead of I was going to say, Charles, I can okay. watch the stream. <laughs> I can watch the stream from home uh, since I won't be there. And then I will catch up with you guys after the fact. But, I mean, the, the TV shows have been so good. It's been one of yep. my favorite things that Disney has done since they've taken over. And Mando is like the backbone of that. So that's definitely yeah. kind of the one for me that caught my eye. I actually well, agree because, like, if Pedro Pascal comes to Celebration, you guys, I'm going to have to meet him. You guys know that, Oh, right? he's going to be there. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. It's going to be great. And, of course, uh, the week before Celebration, we'll be doing a show on Living Forest that will be outlining panel schedules in a lot more detail to really make sure that you're ready for going to kind of schedule stuff out. But until then, go ahead, check the article on StarWars.com. And on your way there, you know, maybe you stop by 18.com and, and pre-order some books because there's still books coming out. Brotherhood by Mike Chen comes out. Checks watch next week. Next <laughs> Tuesday is Brotherhood Day. And, of course, there will be Utini reviews, uh, both written and video, on release day, as always. And Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher comes out June 28th. Get a nice little break there. And then Padawan by Kirsten White comes out on July 26th. Charles, it's been too long since I heard your dulcet tones leading me through the woes of literature. It's time. <laughs> Take wow. over the show. All right. Well, it is time to jump into the roundtable of Queen's Hope by E.K. Johnson. We're going to start this off with a plot synopsis like we usually do. So here we go. Shortly after the Battle of Geonosis and the start of the Clone Wars, Padme Amidala recuperates in secret on her home planet of Naboo. Despite recent galaxy-wide turmoil, she anchors herself to one surprising yet undeniable truth, her love for Anakin Skywalker. As Padme and Anakin prepare for their secret wedding ceremony, Padme wrestles with the fact that she can't involve those closest to her, primarily her former handmaidens. But at the insistence of R2, Padme reaches out to Yane to help incorporating special cloth passed down through her family in her veil for the wedding. Though Yane is shocked to hear her friend and former queen needs wedding attire, she quickly whips up a custom dress for the occasion. Though Amidala's reign on Naboo is over, their legislature remains busy, now under the watchful eye of Sake. The legislators are taken by surprise when Quarsh Panaka approaches them with an old bill he hopes will help keep Naboo safe during the inevitable hardships of war. In exchange for Naboo providing startup funds to colonists many years ago, the bill necessitates that all other planets in the Kamal sector provide resources to Naboo if it were to find itself in a state of emergency. With the Clone Wars ramping up, Panaka lobbies to use this bill to strengthen Naboo. Sake argues it should be struck down and that all planets should work together equally. The legislators are split and it's decided a meeting must be held with the leaders of all the planets in the sector. Sake is to be the representative for Naboo. Sabe and Tanra have returned to Tatooine under new fake identities, but with a very familiar mission, to free the enslaved. As Padme and Anakin make final preparations for the wedding, Queen Jamilia visits the lake house and requests Padme's help in rescuing a group of Naboo artists who are stuck behind separatist lines on the planet Noroyo. True to form, Padme agrees to the mission and recruits Anakin to help. No sooner than arriving on Noroyo, Padme and Anakin sense something is off. They locate an artist commune and meet Carl, one of the aforementioned Naboo, who claims that the artists don't want to leave Noroyo, despite the dangers of the separatists. He suddenly recognizes Padme as the former queen and urges her to leave immediately. Newt Gunray is reportedly on the planet and would love nothing more than another chance to take her life. 
Before leaving, Padme urges Carl to pass on their offer of safe passage to the rest of the artists. Only one agrees to go, a young girl named Antria, who Padme recognizes as Queen Jamilia's sister, bringing sudden clarity to Jamilia's involvement. They narrowly escape, and Padme returns Antria to Jamilia. Shortly afterwards, in a modest ceremony by the water, Padme and Anakin are married. Back on Coruscant, Yoda tells Bail Organa about a Sorry, resupply. who, Charles? Who, who's that? Bail <laughs> tells who? Organa. Who? Have you heard of him? What, is it his full name, please? Uh, I can't say that live. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bail Organa uh, about a resupply company that has been brought to his attention. The organization has demanded all communications with the Republic go through a senator rather than a Jedi and have requested a private meeting. Bail agrees to look into it, but is already overwhelmed with trying to navigate the Senate in the wake of the Chancellor's newly granted emergency powers. All right. Uh, Sabe and Tanra manage to assimilate to Tatooine society and actually begin to enjoy their lives there. Despite many difficulties, they establish a foothold as a trusted source to transport people off-world. Though it's never directly stated and they don't know exactly who they're working for, their passengers always bear the signs of prior enslavement. Padme returns to Coruscant, eager to get back to work. She's immediately briefed by Bale and Mon Mothma about the mission from Yoda. They want to lend their assistance, but can't afford to leave the Senate. They lament over the fact that they can't be in two places at once, which gives Padme an idea. She urgently contacts Sabe and requests her help with the mission. Sabe is pained to be called away from Tatooine, but asserts that she will do anything for Padme and leaves immediately. Tanra is left behind to continue their work. Upon Sabe's arrival on Coruscant, Padme gives her the full details of the mission. Ever since the Clone Wars started, companies have been taking advantage of galactic destabilization by selling resources to both the Republic and the Separatists. Padme's Senate faction wants to unmask these companies so that the Republic can avoid them. One company in particular has asked to meet with a senator, and Padme plans to make contact while Sabe takes her place in the Senate. Despite the many years since she last played the role, Sabe takes on the guise of Amidala and begins to successfully work in the Senate. Meanwhile, Padme and Captain Typho disguise themselves as bodyguards and report for an assignment aboard a Wookiee ship called the Namrelu uh, that works for the company in question. They are to escort the ship to, the, to Hebeker Minor, where they will deliver supplies to a Republic squad in need. Padme quickly befriends the crew, including the Wookiee captain, a protocol droid na- nicknamed Ify, and the Mris mechanic Ida. On Tatooine, Tanra continues transporting slaves to freedom. During an arranged pickup in the desert, he is approached by a shadowy figure who claims to work for a group called the White Sons. After some questioning, Tanra is given a chip deactivator used to shut down the control chips implanted in the slaves and is asked to make improvements on it. He quickly reaches out to Rabe for assistance. On Carlinus, Sashe is informed by Governor Kelma about the changes on her planet since the war started. Their tea export has increased exponentially and their workforce has grown considerably. considerably. Kelma suspects the majority of the workforce are free, freed slaves. Sashe goes out to the fields to interview the workers about their experiences and is able to piece together a pattern to the planets the slaves came from. All are in the Outer Rim and all are places the war has touched. Sashe alerts both Padme and Sabe. On Coruscant, Sabe attends a party thrown by Bail Organa. She has a conversation with Palpatine, who seems to suspect something is amiss. She then returns home, but hears someone sneaking into the apartment. None other than Anakin Skywalker appears in her bedroom. He immediately recognizes Padme is missing and demands answers. Sabe explains, but in the process, comes to the realization that Anakin is Padme's lover. She's devastated that Padme would keep such a secret from her. 
Padme and Typho arrive at Hepaker Minor and take a shuttle to deliver the supplies to a group of clones. However, Padme then learns that the local magistrate's family has been kidnapped by the Separatists. She recruits Typho and some of the clones, boards her shuttle, and contacts the Separatists, claiming to be a non-aligned party offering supplies that the Republic didn't buy. They are given permission to land in a Separatist camp, where they immediately leap into action and save the magistrate's family. After their successful mission, Padme returns to the Nemralu, where Ify asks her to follow him to meet someone. He leads her to a secret room on the ship, where a hologram of an Emoidian named O.J. Nadib is waiting. Padme is suspicious of him until he explains that he was behind the relief mission Haberker Minor, as well as many others. He and a group of Nemoidians who had no part in the occupation of Naboo had been running supply lines separate from the treachery of the Trade Federation. They needed to secretly contact a senator because their goal is to replace Lot Dodd as their representative in the Senate. Padme realizes that, despite her prejudices towards Nemoidians, the plan could bring significant positive change to the galaxy. Sabe attends a meeting with the Jedi at the temple. She is pulled aside by Anakin, who offers an apology for their first meeting, but based on his comments, Sabe realizes that he and Padme are not just lovers, but husband and wife. She is once again deeply hurt. Palpatine, who is also at the meeting, does not fail to notice. On Carlinus, Sashe successfully alters the bill and unites the leaders of the Kamal sector. She is contacted by Padme, and they piece together their two sides of the story. They realize that O.J. Nadib was responsible for sending freed slaves to Carlinus and buying their tea in an effort to get in Padme's good graces, all the while hoping she would be the senator who was sent to contact him. Padme decides she will approach her faction about the Nemoidian's cause. Padme rushes back to Coruscant to meet with Bail and Mon Mothma. She is surprised to find Palpatine is also there. After he pieced together that Sabe was a body double, he wanted to hear about Padme's mission as well. Padme reveals what she discovered regarding the Trade Federation. Bail and Mon Mothma are excited by the opportunity and plan to pursue it. Palpatine, on the other hand, is infuriated, but hides it well and retreats to his office to plot his next steps. Sabe confronts Padme about her secret marriage, and they have their first truly open, honest conversation in years. Though they are able to reconcile their differences, Sabe declares that this was the last time she will play the role of a handmaiden. Padme is saddened, but understands, and the pair spend one last night of friendship together, just as they did when they were young girls. Sabe returns to Tatooine, where Tanra is excited to show her the chip deactivator that Rabe successfully improved. It is now fully functional and freeing more slaves than ever before. The two plan to contact the White Suns and continue their work. Back on Coruscant, with the war ramping up and the future unsure, Anakin and Padme share a quiet moment together. Not as Senator and Jedi, but as husband and wife. In the face of so much uncertainty, they find hope in the fact that they will face whatever comes together. All right, so there you have it, the plot of Queen's Hope. And now we're going to do something a little bit different than we've done in the past. If you have watched one of these roundtables before, you know that next we would uh, give a rating of the book and give some opening thoughts. But uh, instead, Corey, tell us why we're going to switch it up a little bit tonight. Yes, I am uh, happy to. So if you've been playing around on the Utini site lately, you may have noticed that the way we have scored and rated and essentially talk about the quality of books has pretty much totally changed. We're going to have a full episode on The Living Force at some point um, about this, probably a little after celebration to kind of talk through that process. But just know that it was an enormous process in which we changed the way we review books and kind of reevaluated how uh, reviewing books fits into the Utini mission 
The short version is we've essentially decided to do away with scored ratings entirely at Utini. We don't think it serves our purpose well. We don't think it drives people to read books. It doesn't it doesn't drive people to find the joy and the positivity in reading Star Wars books. So that's what we're changing up again. Um, as such, we kind of decided that we should stop doing so on the Living Force as well. So that's what we're going to do going forward. We're going to talk less about what the scores of books are and uh, take the focus away from what did I think about this book. And we're going to talk more about... Uh, what did I get out of this experience? So, Charles, I think you have some questions for us. Why don't we dive right into those? Yeah, absolutely. So, as we're shifting that focus, the way I want to open this roundtable is with just a few questions, and you can pick and choose and just give your overall kind of general thoughts on this book. So, first of all, what did you get out of this reading experience? What new value did this book bring to your overall picture of the Star Wars Expanded Universe? And what got you really excited about this book? Eric, let's start with you. Yeah, for this one, I I think my biggest takeaway from this was spending one last bit of time on a Padme-focused project. I think that the meta of the book was always in my head about this being the final part of a Padme trilogy. I think Queen's Peril, as we've said, is one of was one of our surprise hits of the year it came out, and it really hasn't left me for a while. And it was really, it really helped me kind of learn how to appreciate things that were, I was about to lose. Like, I'm not going to get as much Save content or Padme content going forward, more than likely. So I really tried to relish each time I had. And in that way, it kind of mirrored Anakin's relationship with Padme. About every time he snuck around or they had time together, in this book, their scenes were so precious because they're like, we get a night. And then who knows? Who knows how much time is left? And I know there were such, obviously, as we said in the synopsis, larger plot elements uh, as far as the war goes and Sabine Tanner's mission and Sashay and all that stuff. But for me, the core of the book was that mirrored experience with Anakin making sure that every moment with Padme was real and me realizing that, you know what, even though a lot of this book didn't quite click for me as well, which I you know we'll get to uh, later on, um, I still really tried to value the moments that I had in a book that was focused on this period and on these characters that I've really grown to love over the last few years. Yeah. Emma, as our guest, what, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Eric said. Just, you know, obviously like the end of trilogies are huge in Star Wars, in you know movies, in animation arcs, and especially in books. Uh, and honestly, I found myself feeling like quite sad that we were ending this trilogy. Um, I think it's been so nice to get to know not only Padme further, but also get to know her handmaidens some more. Um, so, so I agree with with all of that. I think one thing that I would like to point out um, is just how much representation this book added as well. Um, it forced me, as um, someone who is white and straight, to actually look up a set of pronouns and learn more about it. And that felt really important. Um, and also having a transgender clone, I felt was really important. And I think, I hope will change the landscape of Star Wars. You know, I, books have been doing a good job of it. Uh, I hope it changes the landscape of, of Star Wars visual media as well. I think, I think E.K. Johnston really brings that to the table is, is representation. And I just hope that we get to see more projects from her because um, she, she does do a good job of incorporating all sorts of different minorities and, and viewpoints and things like that. So uh, I think that that's definitely one of the things I'm going to miss is just learning new things about 
um, you know, different types of, of people and different types of genders and sexualities that I would have literally never known about if I hadn't read it in a book and Googled it. So that's something I, I really appreciate about the book outside of the Star Wars stuff. Yeah. I love that. Love I think the the only small thing that I will add that uh, I really feel like like this book like brought a lot into, which we've literally never seen before, um, is it is it gave uh, gave Padme like a place to have doubts, which was pretty neat. Like we've never seen that yeah. before. Of yeah. uh, you know, like their relationship is very tumultuous. Like so, like you know, we we got to see a lot of that turmoil that they both have, and kind of how they're both kind of winging it. Like they clearly love each other, Anakin and Padme, but there is a sort of uneasiness to their relationship. And this book allowed Padme to kind of explore those doubts a little bit, which, you know, a lot of us have been asking the question about like, come on, Padme, Anakin told you he killed a bunch of women and children in a Tuscan camp. Is that not kind of a red flag? Like, and we've all been asking that, like we joke about that a lot, but like we got to see that sort of play out. So, you know, I'm also sad that the Padme story is kind of coming to a conclusion. Um, You know, I hope we get more of her character in the future. You know, I'm with you guys that this trilogy really developed her and her friends and people who loved her, like it developed their personalities. And it's easy to see how Padme was shaped into the powerful and incredible woman that she is by the people around her. So, you know, I was a big fan of that. And uh, I think that's a a great takeaway from this book and this trilogy in general. I like that you brought that up because we see Padme and Leia those two women in particular being like so confident and so sure. Yeah. And that creates this mm-hmm. almost like slightly toxic image, especially for little girls, like that you always have to be perfect. You always have to be right. You and can't I think fail. this, right. yeah. this kind of like puts that on its head a little bit and shows mm-hmm. that, for sure. you know, you can still have doubts in your mind and still show confidence and power on the outside. And it's okay to have those doubts on the inside. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and then like, sure. and I love that. Also, I didn't even think about that. What you two are saying, like Padme, we realized this had Sabe and Robbie and all them too. And like, I, like you're saying, Emma with Leia, we're learning that oh, Leia had Holdo, like yeah. from a young. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay that mm-hmm. all these heroes that we thought just had it figured out. Like, we know Han had Chewie, but Han was a mess anyway. But they know yeah. even the people that have it together had friends to support, support them, system. and like, yeah. and it really emphasizes the importance of teamwork and friendship and connections. Is this, does this not feel like a launching point for, for Sabe and Tanra getting their oh, own sure. like, yeah. journey? Or, oh, we're sure. going to play with my emotions or or 10 minutes into the roundtable. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, they really, I think she really set somebody up well to have this story of getting slaves off of Tatooine yeah. and having a, mm-hmm. that new, I mean, even their relationship is, is fairly new as well. So that would be good to, to explore maybe in a, Maybe in another novel, well, a young a YA. Well, Wes, obviously, let me let me tell you what. If you want some more Sabe content, not that story specifically, but more Sabe, you can read some comics, some twenty twenty comics. Uh, no, I won't no say kidding. anything further, but uh, <laughs> just just do it, just do okay. it. What, and what you comics? Will not... What comics? What comics? You, you right. can tell us that. Okay. I'm not putting you on the spot. All right, you're going to want to do Darth Vader twenty twenty uh, volumes one and two, uh, yeah, Crimson great. Rain as well. So. Yep. Crimson Rain. Crimson Rain. Just, I saw that in the it. chat. Just do it. Yep. Okay. You'll be yeah. happy you did. <laughs> yeah. Y'all raised some some really good points just with the opening thoughts, and we're going to probably dive into more detail on some of those things that you brought up. I just want to say that I've said on this show before uh, that I think a lot of Padme's story got left on the cutting room floor. It got edited out for time yep. in the prequels. Mm-hmm. And what I enjoy the most about this trilogy is that 
I feel like she kind of got that story back a little bit. It took yep. those scraps yeah, and incorporated mm-hmm. them well, and it built a whole other story around it. So uh, really, really pleased that, that we did get this trilogy in the end. So let's go ahead and talk about the characters themselves, and we're going to start with Padme. How could we start oh. anywhere else? Who would have thought? Sure. <laughs> so I'm going to give you all some quotes and then ask you a few questions. The first one's from page five here. It says, she wasn't asking for help as queen or senator this time. That would have been normal and easy. She was asking for help as Padme, and somehow that made everything messy and complicated. She thought she knew where the boundaries were, but she rarely tested them. She wasn't very good at asking the girls to help her as a friend. On page eight, Padme's whole face transformed when she smiled. It wasn't the smile of a queen or the senator, but the personal one that Yane saw only infrequently and treasured every time. And then the very next page, so all this within the first 10 pages of the book, whatever Padme was up to, she was happy. And Yane couldn't deny that Padme's happiness was one of her favorite things. That made everything worth it, even the secrets kept as Padme drifted away from them. So my first question is, there's a lot of talk about Padme's struggle to be herself in this book. And on many occasions, we see those closest to her recognize when she's being her most genuine self. So what differentiates Padme from Queen or Senator Amidala? It's mm, a great question. Ooh. I don't think many people know the answer to that. I think Anakin is one of the only people that knows, knows what that's like, which is why... Yes. Stories like this are important because we get to see that 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 nobody really got that except for the people that were closest to Padme. Like even us as the viewers, we didn't get that right. Like mm-hmm. you know what we see in Clone Wars TV show and in the films. That's that's like that's like working Padme, right? She's got a work mm-hmm. uniform on, right? We don't get to see the 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 true happy genuine side of her because she's such a centered person on her on her role and her her like her job that like, she doesn't let people in to that part, which is why books like this are so cool and important because we could see that, which is awesome. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, you know, one of the first lines we hear from Anakin and Phantom Menace is that, you know, mom, you always say that the problem with galaxies is that no one helps each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And the exact solve of that, I think is the true nature of Padme. I think that Padme Amidala is the person that would help literally every person she ever met if she could. And I think Amidala can't, because there are certain political things you got to do. Senator Padme can't. There's certain political things, especially in Queen Shadow. I think we saw a lot of like what she couldn't do as Bale was kind of teaching her how to be a senator and politician. But at her core, I think Padme is the person that loves every person she can and wants to actually help every single person, regardless of the overarching political consequences that there are. And I think that's also one of the reasons subconsciously that Anakin falls in love with her so deeply is that she is the fix to the universe that he wants to find. Yeah, I love that. Like maybe, I, I, I don't know. But like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I, I completely agree with, with everything you, you said. I think I honestly think that this is super relatable, to be honest. Like all these quotes mm-hmm. that you just mm-hmm. said. Everybody's got like their facade. Some people have more than two. You know what I mean? Like you've got mm-hmm. your work self and you've got your you know, yeah, yourself when you're with your family and you've got one your podcast you, self. with your friends, your podcast <laughs> self, you know, it's like all these little, like, it's like in a video Where's game, you change self. your skin, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think that yeah, that's like you... super relatable and, and, and I'm, I'm glad that they show that, like, you might not yeah. be able to act the same in every, every single setting, 
but the fact that you can act one way in one setting is still super helpful, especially in Padme's case, where she can help uh, people by trying to influence laws in one setting, and then in the other setting, uh, you know, fighting off some battle droids. Like, she can be helpful in, in multiple facets. It shows how, like, how hard that Padme and Anakin kept that secret. Yeah. Because, like, Sabe didn't even know, and she had to find out for herself. And that was one of her, like, best friends in the world. So, um, I mean, trying to keep that a secret is is probably one of the hardest things. And it, it, it probably showed a little, uh, like, in like Linda's facial expressions. You could see, like, the smile that Yane had, had, uh, had seen. But, I mean, keeping that away from Sabe the entire time, I would be pretty hurt, too. Yeah. And yeah, and I couldn't help but notice that y'all brought up Anakin kind of a bunch of times there. Like, it, it's hard to discuss Padme, you know, Padme, not Queen, not Senator, but Padme without talking about Anakin. And it kind of leads me into this next quote from page 97, where Padme is thinking and she says, She wished Anakin were here. That was the only thing that kept the night from being perfect. She missed him, and not even Sabe could make her feel better. It was strange to love two people so much, so differently. She didn't quite understand it, and she wasn't sure how to make it work. Someday she would figure out how to put both halves of her life together. Someday she would make the political and the personal more cohesive. Someday she wouldn't keep them so divided. Someday Anakin would sit at this table too. There was a war on, and they were always in danger from that, but there was no reason not to plan for an optimistic future, where every person she had brought into her life was just as happy as everyone else. So Padme clearly has a multifaceted relationship with just about everyone in her life. Anakin, Sabe and the Handmaidens, even Bale and Mon Mothma. And aside from Anakin, which is, you know, the obvious case, why is it such a struggle for her to merge the various facets of her life? What I mean by that is look at Sabe. Why can't she be both queen or senator and Padme with her at the same time? It's interesting because I think Sabe and Padme are, are one of my favorite relationships in Star Wars as far as just like how they work because they are best friends, but also Padme is legit her boss forever. Yeah. And I think that there's actually a thing there where like she became her boss at like 13. Like there's, there's you were so young and so formative. It's like, hey, this is your one of your best friends in your formative years. Also, you might have to literally die for her at any moment, ever. And you got to be cool with that. And if one of you is going to die for the other one and has basically signed a contract to do that for your entire existence, that does form a boundary, you know? And I think that Padme, because of her young reign and then her immediate descent into politics, her entire formative period was used to create boundaries to keep her safe but also like you know she got hurt by that like them going to the concert in queen's peril was so fun but it was also tricky because she couldn't just be padme with them still she still has to be like well you all have to die before me like you still gotta do oh, that oh man and, like, oh man we, Eric. We talk, though, but, like that's <laughs> it's so awful morbid. but like, that's that is how real Listen, it got I know we got drunk together that one time but you know. <laughs> eric are you, you not are first. you not best friends with your boss is that not the case 
Which one? <laughs> I also have can many you, faces. Can you imagine Sabe? We're not talking about Corey, by the way. No, not Corey. <laughs> Sabe walks in late for work, and Padme's like, yo, last night was so fun. But you're late, though. That's not cool. <laughs> but seriously, no. seriously, one of the best nights of my life. But you're working this weekend. No, that, that, that's messed up. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the thing where, where Anakin is, is the even thing. Because, like, their lives literally don't intersect. So it has to be an even separation of power, and all Padme's life is ordering power along, which has to suck. It's awful. That was kind of that's kind of rough to to read when you think about it. it. Says there is a war on, and there's always danger from that, but there was no reason not to plan for an optimistic future. Whew. Like we're gonna be together, and we're gonna be sitting out and looking at the twin suns someday. No, that's not what's gonna happen. No, that's Man. awful. Dude. <laughs> it's it an awful thing to put in that book. <laughs> My God, no, I mean, like, this is so interesting because it, it's kind of like how all of us, person, like everybody in the world, right? Like, you, you need a healthy work-life balance. It's like that. Like, um, mm. if your work interferes with your personal life too much, you start to get overwhelmed and stressed and like anxious and all that. And I think that's honestly why Padme can't separate them because she will get way too freaked out if. I mean, because she doesn't, like, most of us only have, like, two different lives, right? Like, our work life and our personal life. She's got, like, three or four. And trying to keep all of those straight has got to be just so stressful. But at the same time, I think in her mind, she's weighing, like, is it going to be more stressful for me to keep them separate? Or is it going to be less stressful for me to keep them apart? And I think in this case, it's, it's less stressful for her to keep them apart because it will cause, like, way too much controversy if she puts them all together and then you start to, you know, get bleeding of the roles together. Like the queen role blends into her senator role, blends into her wife role, blends into her friend role, and then suddenly you can't figure out which is which anymore. And I think in some ways that's worse for Padme. Mm. Mm. That's, that <coughs> reminds me of the plot from Mrs. Doubtfire when uh, Robin Williams <laughs> walks in as, the, as Mrs. Doubtfire yeah. and sits down at the table at his boss and he's like, why in the hell are you dressed like a woman? <laughs> like he just bled the, the two parts together. Yeah, Wes, I was ultimately maybe think of Bad May, but yeah, it kind of reminds me. Wes, I was bracing myself for you to do a Mrs. Doubtfire impression so hard, and I was ready for it. Nearby, or I would have sm- smashed my face into it. When, sorry, sorry, when Charles. Let's get back Pierce on the rails here. In the back of the head with the orange or whatever, and says yes. it was a drive-by fruiting. It's one of my favorite things ever. But someone, oh, uh, Jacob does all West, the Anaheim, two a.m. <laughs> Jacob does all the edits. He should do where she puts or where he puts his face in that cake to get the frosting on it. But have when she comes up, have the Amidala red on it too. Yes, that would be incredible. Done. I'm sorry, Bridget. Jacob. I didn't mean to do this to you. I love Mrs. Doubtfire. I could do this all night. Um, <laughs> it is such a good movie. So, so I want to talk a little bit more about Padme's other half, being Anakin. And so I pulled a, a couple quotes here from page 52. And Anakin speaking, he says, You're going to have to start looking at the big picture in this war, Padme. Anakin looked unusually calm when he said the words, like he was drawing on the force to stabilize himself. There are going to be losses, and I will fight everyone, Padme told him. And then on page 262, this is about Anakin. Padme says, he's very powerful in a way I could never understand. 
His sense of justice is extreme. There was an incident with the Tuscan encampment on Tatooine when we were there. That was Anakin, Sabe said. They're talking about that massacre on the other side of the planet. It was awful, Padme said. I tried to talk to him about it afterward, but I didn't get very far. And then we got the message from Obi-Wan, and then Geonosis happened, and then... And then you got married, Sabe said. She tried not to sound judgmental, but it was a challenge. Padme turned her head to bury her face in Sabe's shoulder. When you say it like that, it sounds terrible, she said, voice muffled by the fabric. But at the time, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I still can't. So... Corey, you alluded to this earlier, but this has nothing to do with E.K. Johnson, has nothing to do with this book, but it has always been one of the biggest mental hurdles I think most people have with Padme. How does someone who's so invested in fighting unnecessary losses, as evidenced in that first quote that she would fight everyone, get over her lover committing an absolute massacre? Listen, man, there is a... uh... There is a reason that uh, the United States justice system cannot force a spouse to testify against you. There's a reason for that, right? Like, there is a level of commitment and and, and love is blind, man. Padme said it herself, right? Like, she said it in episode three. Like, love is blinded you. Like, it's that's a true statement, right? I mean, if you want to get down to the science of it, it's probably some level of delusion to some degree that people are able to to completely see past atrocity. And we you see this all the time in, in medicine, that people can look look past really, really horrible stuff that family members have done and and know they're innocent, you know, they're, they're not a pedophile, right? That, that stuff happens in real life. We see that all the time, right? So, like, it's really not that shocking when you look at this from a, from a reality standpoint of, like, spouses are, are, are somehow psychologically wired, I guess, to some degree to be able to look past these types of things. Maybe it's an evolutionary trait. I don't know. I mean, we're kind of stretching this at this point. But. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Seriously. I mean, like, yeah. I I, uh, I can buy into the, like, this was a really great commentary on, it's subtle here. This is a really great commentary on, on Padme's, it's more than just love. Her commitment, companionship, her... It's her soulmate. Like, they, they really yeah, are. Yeah, really is. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the love story that, that broke and then reformed the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I think... She saw, the, she saw the good in him that Luke... <clears throat> saw at the very end right she knew that yes. was always there right and she 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 knew oh, wow. that fire was there Damn. and yeah yeah i mean that's that's the that's the message man i gotta that's, say though the line when you say it like that it sounds <laughs> terrible yeah, i'm yeah. like okay i saw there, there, like, that's the only line where I, I i i am projecting a bit i see a little bit of the author peeking through being like anakin's kind of crazy guys and I'm like, <laughs> only because like, Pat, like, cause it's Sabe, I can just imagine if this was filmed, right? Or if it was a comic issue. And Padme's like, head on the shoulder. And it's a really quiet moment. And she's like, yeah, the massacre was Anakin. And then it just goes over to Sabe. He looks at the camera like, yikes! Like, <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I, you know I, I, don't wanna, I don't want it to go on the record that E.K. Johnson hates Anakin. But no. it seems like E.K. Johnson hates Anakin. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe not, she does. Like, I don't know. He's kind of a murderer, isn't he? Well, you want to yeah. hear some extra it's food a little too for meta for me. A, a, a good way to say it. It's a, it was a little too meta for me. I yeah, think that yeah. specific line. Well, here's here's some extra food for that because we know Ek absolutely adores Padme. But on page forty nine, we have this line that really it caught my eye. 
Newt Gunray had evaded justice so many times and now he was unreachable by Republic authority. And he was here. Gunray had watched her fight to the death and cheered when she was wounded. Padme was not a violent person, or a vengeful one, but for a brief moment she understood entirely what Anakin had felt when he stood in that Tuscan village on Tatooine. Mm. Really? <laughs> Would Padme Listen. go full Sith on some baby Neomoidians? Is that... Oh my god. She I'm felt sorry. that level of rage? No, no I don't this think is so. A, this is actually... I'm so glad you pointed this out because this is actually the one point in the book where I was like... I'm not sure if I agree with this, like, because yeah. we never see that side of Padme, whereas Ever. we see that We've side of Anakin a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, it's like Anakin's got those those different sides of him, just like Padme does, and maybe she sees the good side in him, but we never see that side of Padme, not not in any of her, like, dozen selves, you know what I mean? Like, Including the rest ooh, of this trilogy. Really this is like, yeah. this is a very one-off <laughs> yeah. line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we never see, uh, you know, an inkling of wanting to be violent, of approving no. violence. I think that if uh, if the separatists use like living beings, I think her her viewpoint would be so much different. Which she's already anti-war as it is, and right. so I just like this doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I lo- this is a very good book. This is my main criticism. I don't <laughs> like the way she characterizes this entire situation. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. But she does. She does point out that all, not all, Nymordians are bad. So we. That took, is good. We, we actually got that part. <laughs> I mean, so thank God for that. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I. The only way I can. Yeah. I'm trying to like, a bit, find a way. A, I can, like, it's a stretch. I, I felt. Really I felt like it was. I felt like with. there were moments. There were moments that were that it felt like Padme's characterization was a bit mis- misrepresented. I think it's just the political yeah. way to say it, and like. Uh, I, I saw it. I'm, I totally agree with you, Emma. I was a little taken aback by that, uh, and I also saw it again a little bit in this scene. Actually, that that Charles specifically quoted about her and her and Sabe talking a little bit about Anakin, and like I don't I don't know that we've ever seen Padme be able to talk about Anakin like that. And maybe that's the cool exploration we get in this yeah. in this book, right? We get to mm-hmm. see Padme have doubts, but I don't know, man. It's also it's also hard to. It's hard to see a side of a character that you've never seen before uh, when you have literally hours and hours of content about them in right. in Clone well, Wars and film and that one I know. can defend a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, in this situation nobody like literally nobody except for C three PO and R two D two up to this point has known about uh, about. Uh, Padme and Anakin, except for like That's maybe Obi Wan has like an inkling, but nobody has like known for sure. Whereas in the past, we have literally never seen like one violent tendency from from Padme. So that That's one fair. I can defend That's a fair. tiny bit, but but yeah. I do I do understand what you're saying. It, it does seem abrupt, but at the same time, if your best friend catches you in not a lie, but like definitely you know you're you're lying by omission. I think yeah, uh, sure. I think then at that point you're gonna want to kind of spill your guts out to them. Can I, I can I make this point too? Uh, yeah. Maybe the fact that we haven't seen that side of Padme in all the hours of footage we got is because she's never 100% herself. Maybe that was her being her most genuine self with her best friend. Maybe she's not exactly who we think she is. Also, some of you might be thinking, but we saw her alone with Anakin. Wouldn't she have acted like that then? No. Has anyone in the history of the world ever been 100% themselves that early on in a relationship (laughs) with the person of their dreams? Absolutely not. Hey, yo, it's me. No secrets. How do you feel about about killing Tuscans? (laughs) 
<laughs> just <laughs> hypothetically. Mean, that being said, Anakin brings up fascism alarmingly early. He does. He does. Like, he does. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. It sounds like a dictatorship to me. And he's like, oh, I mean, I can I mean, Are you mind. cool with that? <laughs> Is that fine though? I mean, no, that little boy I met on Tatooine. Maybe she was just trying to find those little pe- those little connected tissue pieces to make them somewhat similar and on some scale. Yep. Like Anakin is is over the top where he would go and kill a yep. bunch of Tuscans, and you know Padme is going to squash a bug. Just something yeah. that's kind of just a little bit to where they I would kind of be on the same scale, but not, yeah. not yeah. the most. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she's a maybe monk, reaching, right? Maybe <laughs> reaching for full Sith killing children is. A bit of a stretch, maybe. I mean, slightly. Just a little bit. The, the other thing these, I, are, these are not aggressive negotiations. Let's put it that way. Yeah, okay. exactly. I mean, especially when, okay, when we look at this moment in the timeline, we're not like near the Phantom Menace. We are much closer to Revenge of the Sith at this point. Mm-hmm. And she has, I mean, I don't think she's killed like a real person at this point. It's just been like droids. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And mm-hmm. to me, Be to like animals. make that jump from, yeah, scary animals. I, I, have to agree with her on that. If a little a little cat with like a thousand point. teeth was coming at me, I think I'd kill it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 to make that jump. Yes, I know it's a little kitty, <laughs> little kitty cat. But yeah, I mean, like to make that jump from like droids, Nexu. Hopefully that's it. To I want to kill these little Namoidians, like. Mm. It's a lot. Interesting. It, it is a lot. It's yeah. a lot. That's a good word for it. It's a lot. Well, <laughs> let's step away from Padme. Let's give her a break. We've been going in on her. I want to talk <laughs> about what I might even say is the highlight of this entri- entire trilogy, wh- who is not Padme. It's Sabe. I really yes. think that, that she probably is yeah. the highlight of this entire trilogy. So a couple more quotes for you. Page 75. She'd never felt like this before, so settled and content doing so little. She'd spent her youngest years pushing herself forward and her teenage years intentionally putting herself to the side. She'd mastered being second best, being the person no one ever saw or remembered. She could get used to being her own person, doing her own work. She liked it far more than she'd expected to. Yet the mission would always come first. Padme would always come first. They'd promised each other that more than a decade ago, and Sabe was not one to go back on her word without a very good reason. She would continue the work of Padme's heart here on Tatooine because Padme couldn't. And if she enjoyed it, so much the better. So what does Sabe get out of her relationship with Padme? And do you see it as a fair trade or any sort of an equal relationship? And if not, then why is Padme or why is Sabe, excuse me, so dedicated even after years apart? Um, no, that's it's a, not. That's not at all an easy yeah. question. <laughs> I I kind of okay. see it. I kind of see it as as like um, being a part of the military. So you mm. sign up for it. You're part of it. Um, that is your for four years, eight years, whatever you, um, whatever your length of term is. So she did that, but you're also still tied to that for like the rest of your life. If you're, if you. Have served in the military. Um, I know countless friends, my parents, um, grandpa, everybody. I mean, they are tied to it for the rest of their life, and it kind of feels that's what Sabe is yeah. is doing. She's yeah. she that, that is that is kind of her duty, and she uh, will always feel that it's her duty. 
Well, so I have a, I actually have a real world comparison of that specifically, Wes, because you guys, I've talked to you guys in Slack a little bit about. Uh, I just listened to the HBO uh, podcast for Band of Brothers recently. Mm-hmm. If you like, you guys know how big of a fan I am of Band of Brothers, and there's a podcast that HBO produced for like the anniversary. Um, and to, when they put it on HBO Max, so you can watch it there. You've heard me talk about it before. Go watch it on HBO Max. Um, there's a podcast, and every there's ten episodes of the show, and they go through like every episode of the of the show. And um, they talked about that of like these these guys were real people, right? That were in Band of Brothers. Like they were actually it's based on true story. And a lot of those guys got together for the first time like since they served together and they're all like eighties and nineties and they got all the guys together in Normandy and they had the first showing of the, of the show to all these guys that served together in Normandy and their families said it was insane seeing the way that they behaved and they acted like around these people that they hadn't seen in decades, but they were different. The respect they had for each other was, was hard to describe. They, there was clearly still a, companionship and a loyalty to superior officers, even though they're all equals in civilian life. Like, and like that was, uh, they talked about that in the podcast as being something that was really monumental to sort of witness is to see the camaraderie between these, these people, like even after all this time, but there is still a level of respect in the line you can't cross and a sense of unequalness between officers that outranked each other. And that was all still there. Even, you know, 50 years later, which is nuts. Like that, that was there that long. And I think that's what we get a little bit here, mm-hmm. right? We like, yeah. Padme outranks Sabe. Sabe serves purpose, right? There is a purpose yeah. that she has to serve. And yes, they're super close. And yes, Padme got closer to Sabe than arguably anybody else, except for Anakin in her entire life. But there is still a line there in the sand that, you know, Padme sort of demonstrated, I think by not telling Sabe about Anakin. Right. So I think that's yeah. part of, part of why that hurts so bad to Sabe, like at least how it was portrayed in this book, is that even after everything they've been together, there is still a sense of privacy, and there is still a sense of, you know, I can't tell you this thing, because this secret's even bigger than you. Yeah. And I think that really hurt Sabe. Like, I think that really hurt Sabe. Like, it was, there were multiple scenes in this book where yeah. it, it knocked Sabe off of her feet in a way that we've never seen any of the handmaidens get knocked off of, and like, I thought that was a really profound couple of scenes there that we got. Yeah. She almost blew her cover. Sabe did. I mean, yeah. that was like, we're gonna, holy crap. We're going to talk yeah. about, I have a quote from that next, but I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. I, I think the hardest thing about Sabe here, too, is that Padme throughout the book really kind of puts forward the idea that she wants Sabe as a friend. Like She's like, I want my friend. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you things. But at the same time, she still absolutely orders Sabe to act as Shadow in this book. Like She does say, Hey, I need you to do this thing for me because I need to go on a mission. And Sabe's like, "Cool, yep, that's what I got to do." Like, which is not a friend thing. It's not asking a favor. It is kind of pulling the old card one last time, sure. But you can't have both. You can't have it both ways. And I think that's the heartbreaking yeah. thing about that final scene is is they both realize that because Sabe's like, I've I think Sabe's always wanted to be Padme's equal. Padme's always wanted Sabe to be her equal as well. But I at can't. the end, when yeah, she's like, literally, please, please never ask me to do anything because I can't say no to you, and we have we have missed our opportunity to be equal best friends. Yeah. We have we have you. Ha- I have I feel stabbed in the back. I cannot say no to you. Please do not ask me. And I think that moment is. I mean, it obviously broke Padme to hear. I think it broke Sabe just as much to say, which to your initial question, Charles, like, you know, why, why, you know, does Sabe still? 
it is an equal relationship. And what keeps us so dedicated all the years later, that part, like Wes and Corey are saying about the military, that dedication never leaves. The friendship part wilted a bit. But the duty was never able to be let go. And I think that's what hurt the friendship so much in the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I think if if I had to like summarize all of that, is that Sabe has an extremely strong sense of duty and she kind of ranks everything based on what she feels she owes the most duty to. Um, I would say that like Padme is first and then she feels like she owes the most duty next to the slaves and then to Tanra and then to herself. And she puts herself last a lot. I noticed Um, she, she doesn't take time to, do the, th- the things that she wants to do even if um even if she wants to do something different because if Padme asks her to do something she's gonna drop everything to do it you know and a great example is that she left Tatooine uh because Padme had a mission for her and she did it even though she like in deep inside she didn't want to do it so she puts herself last before everybody else and I think that owes to her strong sense of duty I'm not saying that it's right but I think it's certainly um, like a personality trait that a lot of people have it just they, they don't put themselves first in a lot of situations both like in work and in personal life and things like that and I think it can grow to the point where it's very unhealthy and I think mm-hmm. at this point it's very unhealthy for Sabe because when she's like Eric was saying uh, when you're getting to the point where you're asking somebody to literally stop asking me for favors because I put myself last so frequently that I literally cannot say no to you that's the point where it's unhealthy. And I, I think it's right. it's honestly sad to see, to be honest. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up because it does lead me into the next quote. And I want to get your thoughts on this. On page 217, Corey, this is one of the moments that you mentioned. It's Sabe right after she figures out that Padme is actually married to Anakin. And the quote says, She threw up every wall she had, every trick and technique to conceal her emotions and hold herself together in public. While inside, she was reeling. Padme did make her own choices, but this was something huge, and she'd done it without involving Sabe at all. It made her feel vulnerable and superfluous, and Sabe didn't enjoy the feeling. And then Mm. on page 263, this is kind of one of the moments at the very end. Thank you, Padme sighed. All this time, all the things I've asked you to do or give up or put on hold, I'm sorry that I pushed you further than you wanted to go this time. I couldn't have made it this far without you. Sabe turned, taking both of Padme's hands in hers. Their lives had been linked in a way that was hard to explain. Their identities entwined for the good of Naboo. And now that was over. They would have separate paths. Sabe would learn to cast her own shadow. She faced her queen, her senator, her friend, and gave her a sad smile. My hands are yours, she said. Please don't ask me for them again. Padme nodded, tears in her eyes, because she couldn't speak. So y'all have alluded to the fact that this was just too much for Sabe, but for someone who's so devoted on the flip side of that coin, why were the events of this book what finally led Sabe to walk away? Emma, you just spoke to this a little bit. Is it that this is like one too many things? Is it the straw that broke the camel's back? Or is it that this one thing was so huge and so hurtful to her? Or is it a little of both? What do y'all think? I think it's definitely a little bit of both. I think this is something that we'll never know unless we're we get unless if we're if we're lucky enough someday to get a story inside her head. Um, I honestly, my my personal theory about this is that 
um, in her mind, she's thinking, like, if she and Anakin, Padme and Anakin were married, like, publicly, and this was kind of part of her persona, so to speak, she would have been told about that. But because it's not part of her persona, she's not in on it. And I think that honestly is what upset her the most because one of the biggest things that can happen in a person's life is when you get married or in a really long-term relationship. That's huge. And that's something that you want to be part of with your friend. And I think the fact that it wasn't part of Padme's public persona and that kind of set up the rule that she couldn't tell Sabe. And I think that that upset her to the point that she couldn't come back from that. And she realized that you know, Sabe could be honest with Padme to an extent, but Padme could definitely not be even 25% honest with Sabe or else start to mix those lines of her different personalities. And it's, yeah, it, it's sad. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah. This was, I, I will say that this was the by far the best part of the book. Uh, yeah. Was all yeah. of, mm-hmm. like, to, not, not even like this moment in the book was the best part. I mean, these scenes where we get this exploration of, of relationships between Padme and other characters or Sabe and Anakin, like all this, all this character and relationship exploration was by far the best part of the book and it was so good that it made me like question a little bit why we needed the rest of the book to get to yeah. this stuff like i really wish I, I i walked away from the experience feeling like like i wanted like another cup full of this and like let's just scoop out a dump of the other you know what i mean like scoop it all out of like yeah. the the clone wars episode we got in the middle of this because like these these moments were just so powerful and this is the character of the exploration we wanted and this is the character of the exp- exploration that was sort of marketed a little bit too with getting her wedding Padme's wedding and all that sort of stuff and i feel like we we kind of missed that a little bit like i was mm-hmm. left wanting a little bit and if there's one criticism i think i have of the book is that like we got the we got the story that needed to be told of, of how they split, but maybe it was sort of forced into a corner a little bit that it felt like it had to be done in this trilogy and it had to be done at this speed. Mm-hmm. And it felt a little breakneck at times, I think. And, but that exploration of the intimacy that Padme and Sabe had of how they, there was this line drawn between them was such a beautiful story and it was beautifully told. And, uh, I'm, I'm really glad we got it. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. When we look back at this trilogy in a couple of years, right? Like, that's always the interesting thing about books, especially in Star Wars, because we get so much content, and this is evident by Charles burning the midnight oil every time you write one of these uh, roundtable prompts, um, is that in a couple of years, what am I actually going to remember about it? Because I'm taking in so much, and this is absolutely mm-hmm. going to be the trilogy of Padme's evolution with Sabe and the Handmaidens. Like, yeah. I'm not really probably going to remember the Nemoidian stuff. I'm probably not going to remember... A bunch of like the Clone Wars, ex- even though I love the Clone Wars era, like I love Clone Wars action. That's like my, my favorite thing. Yeah, for sure. But this particular book, that last scene, the scene with Anakin and Sabe when he when he goes in to the bedroom and the conversations, it's the sitting down and having conversations that I think is is what Johnson kind of excels at in her writing. Mm-hmm. And and you're right, like this book, the other stuff, I'm like, okay, that's fine. We can kind of get along with it because. I really think we haven't seen a book that deals with this specific kind of relationships quite like this does. Mm -hmm. And I think seeing someone say, you know, I thought I had a best friend that I trusted everything about. I would still die for you, but I still need to make the conscious decision to leave. When we as an audience know that means she's going to miss her death. Like, that's the one Mm -hmm. point where a prequel I think works really well. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. agreed. Totally. Well, I want to leave you with one more quote before we finish talking about Sabe, and it was page 269. And Sabe is talking about Padme and 
says, I always knew she wouldn't pick me, she said into his chest. And she's with Tanra. He stroked her hair. I just thought that she would pick more, like a planet or a species. And I have to ask, why do you think Sabe views Padme's decision as picking something else over her? I, I mean, it seems, at least at the beginning of the quote, she's feels hurt that Padme picked Anakin over her. Yeah, where is that coming from? I I don't know, and I, and I I I also mm. personally found this a bit of a a bit of a stretch for me because we have other other books that that have essentially highlighted that Anakin is like freaking Captain America for the <laughs> for the Jedi Order, right? Literally, yeah. everybody knows who he is. I mean, even freaking Thrawn knew who he was. Like, and yeah. he is in the yeah. outer whatever region. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, I I feel like. Mithron, I, I think like outside... That's what I said. Yeah. Mithron de Rodo. What am I saying? Throne alliances. Good parts of it. Padme literally did pick a planet or a species. That's what Anakin is and represents for the Jedi Order, right? So, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I felt that was a bit of a. How do you, how do you not pick the chosen one? I know. You chose, <laughs> you chose him. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe but, that's why Sabi so, made her decision. She knew that. You know, she couldn't not yeah. pick the chosen one. So, oh well, you know. But yeah. but I feel I mean, like at the same time, though, I feel like I feel like the point that we're trying to to get, you know, the author is trying to put in our head here is that it's it's not jealousy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. like no. I don't think I don't think we're supposed to understand that it's jealousy. I think we're supposed to understand that it's a deeper thing than that. It's not jealousy, yeah. but it felt like jealousy the way it was worded. Yeah, right? I think for me, it's, I think it's it's weirdly this might be diminutive or oversimplistic, but I think there is an element of like. Tanra, I, w- I was going to die for her every day from the moment I was 13 to the moment I am now. Every single day I knew I could die and cease existing for Padme, and she didn't tell me she got married. Like, she didn't yep. tell me the most, the most wonderful, mm. loving day mm-hmm. of her life with the person that she loves, she didn't tell me. And I think that there's a moment of, yeah. like, one, she didn't – either she didn't tr- – because if I was that friend, I'd be like, one, did she not trust me not to give away her secret when that all yeah. I've done my entire life mm-hmm. is hold her secrets? Mm-hmm. Two, did she not trust that I would get a? I mean, is it I get along with them? Like, honestly, we we as fans knowing Sabe now, if she would have told Sabe, literally nothing bad would have happened. I I will say, mm-hmm. as someone who I legitimately, if she would have told a soul. I think it would have been okay. And I think Sabe is like, oh my god, how did she not trust me enough? After ten plus years yeah. of wanting to die for her to not share this with me, but she definitely I, trusts him enough that she, that he knows everything about me. I I, I also kind of wanted to I wanted to know this would have been a very interesting exploration if this occurred in this book. It didn't, but if it did occur, because she kind of told other handmaidens indirectly. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She told Yane. Yes. Yane yeah. for sure. You think Sabe and Yane? I mean, she freaking knew. You yeah. think Sabe and Yane talk like years later and Sabe? told Yane and Yane was just like what no way yeah. <laughs> or Yane's no like man I can't believe I had to make that veil the what <laughs> <laughs> hey! the veil of I went to veil Colorado yeah, that's veil. the secret veil you know what I'm talking there was a veil of secrecy you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know it's it's our code word for her little special cloak you know it's like the uh the invisible thing in Harry Potter yeah. you know that exactly yeah it's, but yeah. Erica it's, it's I like one. what you I like what you said about, you know, if if Sabe or if Padme had talked to Sabe that everything would have been fine. Because I totally agree with that. Because in a way, you know how like you have that those like 
one friend or maybe a few friends that are you kind of like talk about everything with right and they're kind of like your therapist this is why we need therapy in star wars because i mean if if padme had a therapist shout out what's up exactly if padme had ito then uh maybe he would have said "Mm, not sure this is like the best thing for you i don't know if it's like super healthy you know maybe we should like reconsider this um but yeah I, i totally agree and and honestly i think um back to charles's question i think Sabe realized that you can't you can't have Padme without Anakin now. When it yeah. used to be, you can't have Padme without Sabe. So she oh, feels like there damn. was some sort of replacement. Yeah, Emma. That's... <clears throat> yeah, I like it. He she was the queen's <laughs> shadow, but not like there's a she can't you yeah. can't be a shadow for two things. But right, now it's that Darth one. Vader shadow that was on the cover of the fan. <laughs> exactly. The exactly. exactly. God, it's the shout bad out to shadow the best poster now. ever. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, th- I think sorry, Charles. The last thing I was going to say is I think the I think the conclusion of the of the relationship and the story between Sabe and Padme that we see in this book was a, a, a beautiful conclusion to a very yeah. complex relationship that like was by far the highlight of this book. And if I had to choose any one thing that is the the this is the great thing that I got from this book. It was a conclusion to the Handmaidens like story. Yes, like, this yeah. was the closing yes. of the book. It was a hard close it was a slam the damn book close you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean but we did get the conclusion of this very complex relationship that we got to see through these characters and that was by far the greatest thing that ek johnson could have given us with this padme trilogy was this exploration of all these handmaiden characters what is i think is what we we're supposed to get and the fact that she was able to get something in there about how they could come to terms with the fact that it's anakin like was complex and 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 done pretty damn well i gotta say Yep. Love it. And, and one, la- one last thing, too. I know, Charles, you're trying to get to another question here. But um, E.K. Johnston and Greg Pak worked together a little bit on this story. And I can tell, as somebody that's read the Darth Vader comics, you can tell that the, you know, Sabe's growth, it doesn't just stop here when she stops interacting with Padme. It continues on and on and on. And you can tell that Padme has affected her life. Uh, even after her death and i think if you at all enjoyed these books especially the sabe parts you will absolutely 100 percent love the the darth vader run and they have both said that they have worked together and it is very apparent and no spoilers at all because of embargo and such things that list tomorrow uh mike chen and ek johnson definitely chatted when he was writing brotherhood period that's all i can say but that's cool Well, let's uh, let's talk about Anakin here quickly because he was an important part of this book. He didn't have that much time, but he was still important. And a few quotes for you on page 216. Whatever else you could say about Anakin Skywalker, he might just be the most genuine man in the whole galaxy. On page 64, we have, at first, he barely heard the words the efficient said, binding them together for legal and spiritual purposes. The Jedi had no marriage words, of course, but the Naboo did, and as Anakin's attention widened from Padme's presence to the speaker beside them, he listened and inscribed the words on his heart. Misa, marry Yusa. <laughs> <laughs> <Naboo> marriage words. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my word. That's the, that's the celebration tattoo right there. All right. Wow. Misa being married? <laughs> Padme. All right, continue. On page 33. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
on page 33. Truth be told, Anakin had decided to marry Padme in the kitchen at his stepfather's house. He watched the way Owen and Baru moved around as they prepared lunch, handing each other things before they were asked and laughing when they bumped into each other. It was a connection that had nothing to do with the Force, and Anakin wanted it. So we saw the many sides of Anakin throughout the trilogy, throughout this book, and that included his quick anger and his profound love. What is the one thing that you are taking away from this book about Anakin? And it's allowed to be that he actually had some non-cringy, flirtatious dialogue, because that was (laughs) certainly an upgrade. Uh, before before we answer this, can we just say that this is what happens uh, when we let women also write Star Wars? Is like you get some good writing too. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Romance is great. Yes. Can I ask you yes. a question? When you re- read this book, I know I know that some of us listen to audio. When you read it, do you hear Hayden or Matt Lanter in your in your head? Matt I Lanter. hear Matt Lanter. Yes. I hear Hayden actually. I hear Hayden. Okay. I hear Matt Lanter, but I hear Natalie Portman. <laughs> mm. <It's> same. Weird. <laughs> okay. Same. It's weird. Anyway, okay. S- same I, brain that, cell. That, that, yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting because I feel like anyway. I don't, I don't think that necessarily Padme is Natalie Portman. Let's be clear. Yes, Padme is Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's also Thor. Think, yes. Right. I don't make Anyone the has rules. anything else to say, shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the end of the Darth, pa- uh, of the Darth Vader to Greg Pat comic is, is Padme actually bursts out of her own tomb with Mjolnir and then goes to the Marvel yes. Universe. That's really weird. That's, that's um, <laughs> overall, though, One thing that I, yeah, that I really liked about... <laughs> it's like, let, me get, let me get everybody back on track here. <laughs> One thing I really liked about, like, after the wedding, or maybe during, they didn't have, like, gifts to give each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, Padme did, but uh, Anakin did not. And the only th- possession that he had in the world was 3PO. Mm. And he just yeah. gives 3PO to, to Padme. Yeah. And then, in turn, Padme gives R2 <laughs> to Anakin. Yeah. Hey, You're you like, want to trade? How about that? Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Hey, guys, well, I, I like that. That's yeah. weird. Isn't that Senator and Jedi trade droids? Yep. Must be normal. Anyway. <laughs> it's interesting you brought that up, though, Wes, because I honestly, I took that part as, not as Anakin not having any possessions, because you're right, he only had 3PO, but I took that as him as a Jedi not knowing how, like, what marriage traditions are. That's how I took that, but, oh, sure. but now yeah. I, like, totally get that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I and I I, I gotta say, and, and Charles, to your to your point too about like what do we learn about Anakin, right? Uh, I have found so much love for Anakin Skywalker recently myself. In every medium in which he shows up, I think Anakin just gets better and better and better. And I think seeing him as a lover, as as a passionate person, like seeing him through Padme's eyes in this book, because I think that's really what we get, um, is really nice because we see the man she fell in love with. And I think having that being mm-hmm. written in a Padme book is like, no, we know why Anna can love Padme. We get to see that in the saga. We get to see that in a lot of books. We see it in comics. We, we understand. We talked about it earlier this episode. But seeing why Padme fell in love with Anakin, we see how he is a angry at Sabe for not being Padme in the room. But then he immediately calms down and tries to be good and is like a, essentially a good boyfriend, sleeps on the couch, fine. We see him talking to Padme in their little stolen moments like, he is this charismatic, good guy that has made these horrible mistakes in the past, but really is trying his best to be a good husband and fight for the life that he wants. And I think seeing him just as a, a, 
a, a kind of romantic lover, as, as you will, is, is a shade that I'm really glad we got in this particular book. That's kind of what I took from it. We uh we, we had a funny conversation after we finished this book that uh like this is <laughs> this has opened up the door for a true hardcore romance novel yes, uh, in Star Wars like mm-hmm. like straight up like I <laughs> joke that I think they need to just let Nicholas Sparks write a Star Wars novel but not like <laughs> Not like tell him that he's writing a Star Wars novel. Just tell him it's a normal novel, and they just change all the language. So it's Star Wars, <laughs> yes, like every yeah. it's you know it's a, it, just give him a give him a loose plot. It has to be on a farm. Yep. Uh, you know Great. there has to be some. There has to be some milk involved, and we'll just we'll just say yep. we'll just put blue in front of milk. We'll, we'll put yeah, moisture I, in front of farm. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy, bro. So, like, maybe some like change some fruit language. trees. You know, some pears. Yeah, yeah that, came might home, get, came that might get that might get war. Yeah. <laughs> that Game might get Debbie Jenkins to read a Star Wars book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, yes, the really vulgar and violent sex scene right in the middle is going to be a bit jarring, but everybody can get over that, all oh right? Everybody we can get right over that. We got to hit the New York Times list somehow, Corey. We got to. <laughs> we, 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 we should throw it in there. Right. Right. Star Wars somehow. is hot. That's the that's the takeaway, I suppose. Can I? And we got there. It only took us an hour and a half, but we got to the hot I'm sex sorry, part dude. of the M episode. <laughs> Here we go, this everybody. Because of you. No. no no, no, I mean, I realize that since I'm on an episode, we, we've got to get thirsty somewhere. So if it has to be here, it has to be here. <laughs> to end us on a more wholesome note for our family listeners, do. I do just want to say that I really enjoyed the passage about Ugh. Anakin knowing he wanted to marry Padme when he was watching Owen and Beru. I actually thought that was yes. one of the yes. strongest oh, yeah, passages in the entire yeah. book. And it really made me, it, it probably is, and it, and it made me reflect on the fact that whether we want to or not, it's, it's time has shown that people will exhibit similar characteristics in relationships that they saw in, the, in yeah. those types of relationships yep. as they were growing up. Anakin yeah. didn't have mm-hmm. that. He literally yeah, didn't he have a father. It's a beautiful thought, He Charles. then was with the Jedi. There, were, there was no marriage except Kiati Mundi. Um, <laughs> so, so literally... We don't, we, don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> he was doing the most Anakin thing ever in his relationship with Padme. He was making it up as he went. And, and yeah. Owen and Beru, yeah, sure. and I guess you could say what he knew of, like Kleeg and, and Lars were... Mm-hmm. Or Kleeg and Lars, she's Minetti. <laughs> Kleeg, Lars, and Shmi. And Shmi, yeah, sure. Kleeg and Lars, too. Um, it, those, were, those were his models, you know, for his relationship. Yeah. And so that really mm-hmm. struck me, and I, and I enjoyed that. And a whole book about that relationship from Anakin's uh, viewpoint would be horrendous. It would be so cringy yeah, and hard to get through, and you'd be like, dude, yeah. how do you yeah. not understand this? But just that little taste was was so yeah. perfect. I thought so. I really that's loved a good that. point too, Charles. Yeah. He, you know, Anakin has been virtually around zero relationships. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't there was so no father. I mean, even like he was nineteen. Yeah, and I think that's interesting. Like true we love keep it a secret. Yeah, <laughs> like when, when, you, when you love someone and you're starting in the early time, it's only about you two, right? Like there's that moment of like that the immediate passion, like I want to be absorbed in this person, absorbed in you. But then it, there's that cliche about um, you know you're in love because all the songs make sense, right? Oh, yeah. Is that like, <laughs> and I think that's where Anakin gets in this book. And, and based on that, dude, Brooke what was Anakin Charles, listening to, man? 
Just like my That's the only song in Star Wars. That's it. That's the only one. Play that same song again. That song made sense to him. Yeah. But I think there's that moment where he's like, I know as an objective fact, Owen and Baru are in love. I, I, I observed that, and I know that as, as a law of the universe, and I see them, and I know I can put myself in Owen's shoes and Padme in, in Baru's, and it makes sense. And I think that we see that also in the deleted scene in Attack of the Clones when Padme introduces Anakin to her family because she sees her parents. And she and, and it's act, it, it sucks that it got deleted, as do most scenes in the prequels, but like Natalie mm-hmm. Portman has this, this buoyancy when she talks about Anakin around her mom. And it's like... You see them realize how much they love talking about this other person around folks that they know are in love. And it's like love begets love. And I think that despite the fact that this book is so much about war and trials and betrayals and and hard things, these moments with Anakin and Padme specifically, love is, is so present in their lives and so present in what they do. And I, and I love that you pulled that out, Charles, because Anakin is a Sith we see, Anakin is a Jedi we see a lot, Anakin is a hero, but Anakin is a dude that is straight up in love with his wife. I am very excited to get a lot more of that in the years to come. Yeah. What a beautiful way to end the character section for us on this roundtable. We're going to save everything else, the overarching questions, the Easter eggs, all that good stuff for next week. So Eric, get us on out of here. Alrighty, well, my friends, thank you so much for hanging out. We will finish this up next week, as Charles said. Uh, I know I'm always excited for those Easter eggs. We will see them then. I hope everyone has a great May the 4th. We'll probably, I don't know, maybe get between one and seven announcements that we'll go over next week. I hope you all have a great time. Find a trivia night around you if you want. Why not? But, my friends, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you for making all of this possible. We really appreciate it. A special thank you to OK Endar, Brian Julie, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Matt Billington, Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C, and Sally and Chris Eilerson in our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson, Corey is at Corey M. Helton, Charles Zet C. Hanko, Wes is at Boss West, and Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, Wes, our producer and community manager, and to the Miami Heat, who are beating the actual tar out of the 76ers at the exact moment. Thank you to Corey, Charles, Wes, and Emperor Potting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for listening and watching. And as always, may the force be with you. Go Heat, baby! There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.